about music, health, wellness, and activism that will help you to find balance between life as a musician and self-care, both health and wellness. I'm your host, Jazzy Piggott, a tuba player, composer, certified personal trainer, writer, and podcaster based in Baltimore, Maryland. So here we are. It's episode 10, and I can't believe it's already episode 10 because I feel like I just started this thing a couple weeks ago, but it's already been over two months. So thank you all of our listeners. I think we have about 20 consistent listeners right now, so I'm hoping that will slowly grow because now we're established. So in honor of the 10th episode, I've changed our intro and outro, and I hope you did like it. I'm going to be keeping it for a while. And now that the podcast is established, I'll actually be having a few guests in the coming weeks. So looking forward to having Kaylee Bernard, Andre Thacker, and then my own little brother, or younger brother, Gregson Piggott. So stay tuned for them in the next couple of weeks. Anyways, for the 10th episode, I decided that it would be good to just kind of talk about health and wellness in general when it comes to just living your best life. So here are my top 10 strategies and tips to giving your 100% when you can. So the first three tips are going to be based on your physiological needs. So tip number one is locking down your sleep. Episode 7 is all about sleep, so if you have not listened to it yet, please go back and listen to it, where we discuss ways to get enough sleep, why sleep is important, and how much sleep you should need. But getting enough sleep will help you to give your 100%, because being sleep-deprived is honestly very hard, and you can't really be who you are if you're constantly exhausted and are suffering as a result of that. And be aware that the night before is going to make or break your next day. It's not your morning ritual that matters, it's your bedtime routine that matters. Because if you have a poor night of sleep, then you're going to be cranky the next day. You won't be your authentic self. You can't give your 100%. Tip number two, fuel your body properly. Nutrition. It is super important. I've been meaning to do an episode on this, however, I've been holding off because I'm Still working on my nutrition certification through the ISSA, International Sports Science Association. Right now, just know I'm not a dietitian. I don't have a nutrition certification, and I'm not a doctor. But I managed to lose a lot of weight on my own, so I do have some knowledge of having decent nutrition. The way I look at nutrition is to just treat your body like a car. So you can put anything into your car, into your gas tank. Like theoretically, you could just pour a bunch of water or soda or whatever you want to pour into that gas tank. But you know the most effective thing is going to be solid gas, non-watered down gas. You want quality fuel. You don't want to run on empty. You don't want to have that cheap watered down gas where your car is going to run out of gas within 10 miles. I did that one time thinking I was saving a lot of money. And it turned out my gas was just watered down, and I got a whole gas tank that decided to just leave me in two hours of driving, which was not a good thing in the end. And when you're treating your body like a car with what you're putting into it, you also want to make sure you're not running on empty. 
So that means not being hungry. A lot of people are under the belief that if you're hungry, that's when it's time to eat. However, you should actually be preventing hunger because hunger is a sign that it's too late. That means you're already on empty and you need to address the hunger immediately. There is the term hangry where people who are hungry get, well, angry. And that's just because you are on empty, so you're more prone to having that level of stress. So if you were properly nurturing yourself and eating throughout the day, about every three to five hours for most people, including a few snacks, healthy snacks, then you should be able to avoid running on empty and just stay satisfied throughout the day. So a few tips for knowing what to eat, because a lot of people just seem lost about what to eat for some reason. But the three things are whole foods, protein, and fiber. A whole food is anything that is made of basically one or two ingredients. So that's anything unprocessed. So the ingredients of a banana are a banana. Chicken is chicken. When you want to eat throughout the day, you want to make sure you're getting majority of your food needs through these whole foods because that is what your body was intended to process. These hyperpalatable processed foods, they have additives, things you can't pronounce in the labels, and a lot of them were actually manufactured to make you eat more. By focusing on getting whole food nutrition, you are providing the most quality food to your body that you can and you're going to ensure that you're not going to succumb to any sort of health issues in the future. Things like diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol are all related to diet. Additionally, if you are trying to lose weight, sticking to whole foods will naturally help you lose weight because your body is going to be using its calories in order to process everything since nothing's pre-processed for you. So whole grains, brown rice, wheat bread, anything that has not been thrown through a machine. And yes, technically everything is somewhat processed unless you're going straight from the farm, but we're just talking about getting those things that have minimal ingredients that are as close to natural as they can be. The next thing is protein. In order to sustain your muscle and just power your body throughout the day, you're going to want to have some protein. Protein is comprised of amino acids, which are necessary for a lot of cellular processes that are involved with just existing. Again, I'll get back to this on a later nutrition episode when I have prepared with the proper research to be able to talk about this in more depth. But either way, get enough protein. I would say about 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight is the goal that most people should have because that will be enough for muscle growth if you are actually using a good resistance training program. And if you're not focused on a resistance training program, it will be enough to just maintain the muscle you have. So you're not just slowly atrophying in your chair throughout the day because you're not really moving or anything. Protein is also the most satiating macronutrient, so it can definitely help Uh, macronutrients are carbs, fats, and protein. So of the three, protein is the most satiating. It will make you feel full and it will keep you full longer because it's slower to digest and your body actually takes more energy to digest it than it does any of the other macronutrients. And finally, it's fiber. Fiber is just necessary so you can be a regular person. Uh, You know what I mean. 
So if you don't get enough fiber, you're going to have gastrointestinal intestinal distress. So to avoid that, just make sure you're getting, I think the FDA says around 26 grams a day. So try to fill up on things like beans, whole grains, vegetables, fruits, all of these things have fiber and that will help you to, again, it will help you stay full throughout the day, just like protein does, and it's slower digesting, so it'll make you need to eat less. And with protein and fiber, since they are slower digesting, that means the fuel is staying in your body longer. It is very quality fuel that you can have. Now, surrounding nutrition, I have definitely had a lot of difficulty with this in the past. Um, that is with tracking. Now, tracking is almost necessary if you have a specific goal in mind, like losing weight or building muscle, because you need to be sure you're consuming enough calories or enough protein in order to achieve your goals. I have been tracking according to my fitness pal for the last 840 days. So that's at least two and a half years, I believe, if that's math. So tracking is definitely really integral to how I was able to lose my weight and maintain my weight. I had been a few months without tracking or I guess tracking less and my weight has slowly crept up because of that. So right now I'm back on the tracking train to just lose the 10 pounds that I managed to gain in the last six months. However, for some people, tracking is not realistic to keep doing. It can often become a source of stress in your life, and if that is the case, that means you cannot be tracking everything you eat. If tracking is what you think of most of the day, you can't think of anything else, you're always planning for your next meal, that means it's a disordered relationship. You should try to get help with a registered dietitian or a nutrition coach in order to decide what will be the best for you in the long run. But food and eating should not be a source of stress. The ultimate goal is to eat intuitively. Now, when I say intuitive eating, that means eating the way your body wants you to eat. So a lot of people misconstrue intuitive eating to mean eating whatever they feel like eating whenever they feel like eating it, which would entail things like, oh, I feel like having fried chicken. That's what my body needs right now. Let me go eat a whole bucket of fried chicken. However, if you're actually doing this properly, intuitive eating is paying attention to the way your body feels after certain things. For most people, if you're eating like a whole bucket of something fried, you're going to feel that, that greasy feeling that you can't shake at the end of it which means it's not good for your body. So you want to find stuff that is good for your body, that makes you feel whole at the end of it, you feel more alert throughout the day, and things like that. Just pay attention to those signals, and then also pay attention to your hunger and fullness cues. You should not be frequently eating past the level of fullness. I know I struggle with this. It's something that you might have to get used to, especially if you are overweight or used to be overweight. A lot of times that is involved in overriding those signals that your body has told you to stop eating. Anyways, I could go on nutrition forever, so I will get back to this in a later episode. Stay tuned. Tip number three, find time to exercise. Episodes four and five are literally all about exercise and finding time to exercise. So please go back and revisit those if you want more in-depth information about this topic. As a summary, movement is very important to break up your day and then decrease your risk of injury. It will also improve your mental clarity and your overall well-being. 
So to be 100%, to be your best, finding time for movement throughout your day is incredibly important. The next four tips on my list are primarily about communication and interactions with other people. So tip number four is to develop healthy boundaries. If you've been listening, episode three is all about boundaries, so go check that episode out. Boundaries are very effective because they can prevent stress in the long run. If you decide, I'm not doing that, I will not have that in my own way. You need to be sure that people are respecting your boundaries because you are the only one who can put them up and you are the only one who can enforce them. Nobody else is responsible for that except for you. To develop healthy boundaries, you just need to know what your needs are and plan accordingly. So if I know I'm not a social person and I need at least a few hours to myself every day, I'm going to schedule a few hours for myself every day. If somebody's asking me to get dinner and I'm exhausted, I'm not just going to say yes out of guilt. I'm going to assert my boundaries and just say, no, I can't do it today, maybe another day. Another tip for maintaining boundaries is to stay consistent with your boundaries. Manipulative people will tend to find a little hole in a boundary and try to take advantage of it if they feel that there is some wiggle room. So you need to stand strong in what you want. You don't want to be inconsistent because then it seems like it's something that might not be actually as serious as you say it is. And if somebody is regularly breaking down your boundaries, you need to find a way to communicate that you have boundaries around that. Don't just hide around the rug. And with that, that leads us to tip number five, which is to communicate effectively. My friend Alice actually asked me to do an episode on this a few weeks ago, so I will probably come back to an entire episode on healthy communication once I get my own healthy communication together, so stay tuned. But here is a brief summary on effective communication. So communicate everything. Yes, everything. You can't assume that people know what you are thinking or that you know what other people are thinking. You only know what other people tell you they're thinking and you only know what you are thinking. I am very guilty of thinking I know what somebody feels like, oh no, they hate me because I did this thing wrong. And maybe it's not actually an issue, but I have made it an issue in my head. So I have spent a lot of time ruminating over something that actually wasn't a problem. So if you have an issue with somebody, just communicate it to them. Explain, hey, you did this thing. I did not like that thing. And now it's a problem because you probably would appreciate it if somebody else did the same for you. So you doing it to somebody else can model that behavior that you want back. And if you're communicating everything that's going on through your head, that means there's little room for misinterpretation. On grounds of misinterpretation, another tip for communicating effectively is to actually talk over the phone for difficult conversations because texting is actually horrible. Um, you, there's no way to discern somebody's emotions through text. You can put as many emojis as you want and you can just type in an emoji of a smiling face when you're actually crying. It's not that hard to do. So you don't know what somebody who is texting you is thinking. You don't have the inflection of their voice. You don't have their body language. So if you have a difficult conversation, 
pick up the phone and call them. There are a lot of people who are afraid of this level of confrontation, so they will avoid using a phone just because it seems that they could get an unfavorable response. However, the fact that you could completely ruin a friendship over a misinterpreted text message should be enough to justify, let's pick up the phone. If that friend matters to you that much, you will be able to have that conversation with them over the phone or in person. Another tip for effective communication is to ask questions to clear things up rather than ruminating on things. So if you feel like somebody's angry at you, ask them if they're actually angry at you rather than trying to figure out what you did or why they might be angry. Because if they're not actually angry, you're ruminating over it, you're making it a big deal, you're causing yourself a lot of anxiety, honestly, for no reason. Because I have social anxiety, I do do this a lot, and I have found that the days that I get myself to ask, are you upset with me, or is something wrong, those are often the days where nothing's actually wrong, and I just kind of put it in my head. And in the last few months, that's actually saved me a lot of mental energy. However, I still need to improve on doing this because I did have a issue over the weekend with my boyfriend where I could have just asked the question and I didn't. So if you are ruminating, one tip for effective communication, if you're trying to bring up something that you think is happening, use I statements or use the preface, the story I'm making up. In her book, Rising Strong, Brene Brown discusses how she communicates with her husband effectively the unspoken truths by saying the story I'm making up in my head is, and that is how she's able to get things across. I think the example she used is her husband was ignoring her one day, so she started making up a story. And she thought her husband was mad at her, even though he wasn't actually mad at her. And that created some sort of rift in their friendship. So after that point, she decided to communicate with her husband. The story I'm making up right now is that you're angry at me. Is that true? And that was probably the biggest takeaway I got from that book, honestly, because I've never thought about how we do make up stories in our head to try to fill up those holes. It is a story you're making up. It's not the truth, unless it's a confirmed truth, but most of the time it's not confirmed. So try to communicate with people using that sort of story mentality or an I statement where you say, I feel this way, rather than you're making me feel this way. You don't want to be accusatory in a conversation because you don't know what's actually going on in the other person's heart. And finally, for effective communication, please, please, please do not be afraid to confront people because otherwise issues might get blown out of proportion. This happens so many times, and it's happened so many times with me, and I can't name the number of things that would have just been okay if I had said, I have an issue with this, can we talk about it, rather than trying to hide a problem until it just blew up. A lot of people are afraid of confrontation, so they tend to just kind of hide things. But when you hide things, it, it's going to weigh on you. It's like filling a bucket with water. Like you can fill it drop by drop, yes, but then one day the bucket's going to be at the top and one more drop is going to send the water spilling everywhere. 
and you don't know what that one drop is going to be. Slowly empty out the bucket rather than letting it overflow by addressing issues as they occur, and then things won't overflow. You're not going to blow things out of proportion. So like I said, I was asked to do an entire episode on this, so I think with um, probably with a guest, I might do a future episode on communication properly. So stay tuned. I already have two future episodes right now. So effective communication isn't really effective if you have nobody to communicate with. So tip number six is to cultivate your relationships. Tip one, find your support circle. I mentioned this back in episode eight, navigating your lows about how you should find a support circle. There are people in your life who are there to support you. It might not be the most obvious people, but there should be somebody, anybody in your life right now who is on your side and you can confide in. Right now, my support network is my friend Kaylee, my boyfriend, my mom, the rest of my family, and my undergrad college squad. These are the people I can feel like I can tell anything to and that I know they have my back the entire time. They're not out to get me secretly, hopefully, and that they can be there if I am going through a struggle. Without a support circle, things can feel really lonely. So just try to find who those people are in your life and make sure you keep them close. Cultivate that relationship. Make sure it stays growing. Don't let it fall. Actually use your support network for support when you need the support. Don't try to tackle things alone. So once you have a support circle, you want to continue to cultivate these relationships by making an effort to reach out to your friends weekly. And even if you have a friend you haven't talked to in a while, maybe try to find one of those once a week. So there are friendships where you can go months without talking and then you get together and then everything seems perfect and you it's like you never left. I know when I saw my friend Christian from undergrad for the first time in, was it two years? It just seemed like any other day, you know, back in undergrad, but we hadn't seen each other in two years. So there are those friendships like that, but not every friendship is like that. And if you don't reach out to your friends on a regular basis, it could leave you feeling lonely. If you find that you are the only one reaching out, that might be a sign that you need to assess your relationship. In a lot of my past relationships, friendships, I tended to be the only person asking to hang out and I would eventually just take the chance to stop reaching out because if you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it was yours. If it doesn't, it never was. So those friends who aren't reaching out to you might not actually be real friends and it is okay to test that sometimes. But for friends that there is a reciprocal relationship, just make an effort to try to hang out with them weekly to stave off that feeling of loneliness and to bring your bond closer. I feel like the more often you see people, the more you actually have to talk about. Because when you see somebody maybe once a year and you haven't talked between that, there's a lot to catch up on. It's almost almost overwhelming to think about. So most people are like, not much is happening. Yes, a lot of 
things have happened because it's been an entire year. But for some reason, you can't just remember the highlights. So you just say, nah, nothing's going on. And then you just sit there in awkward silence. At least that's how most of my interactions go with people I haven't talked to in several months or years. And then I also have on here, like I said earlier, is to actually reach out to an older friend probably once a week. So these are the people that maybe you haven't talked to in years or months. And reaching out to one of them once a week, it might just rekindle a friendship, which will be invaluable because what if that was a friendship that you didn't want to lose? Or it could just serve as a reminder to increase a connection so you have somebody to reach out to in in the next time you might need them. I know when I forget to cultivate relationships and then I actually need something from somebody and I feel really uncomfortable asking for that thing because I am only reaching out to them when I need something. If you're reaching out to these friends regularly and not when you just need something, it's going to be a lot easier to reach out when you do need something. I can think of this for recommendation letters, for instance, because I have one professor, Dr. Matthew Claus, shout out to you if you're listening, where I I needed a letter of recommendation for my undergrad, but I hadn't, or not undergrad, for my DMA, but I hadn't talked to him in a few months, and I felt so bad about asking And it took me, I think, days to just write the email and hit send. But he responded immediately. He was like, yeah, of course I'll write a letter of recommendation. And over here, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, he's going to think I'm just out to get things from him. And there's no reciprocating in this relationship. However, if I had just kept talking to him throughout the time, just checking in maybe like once a month or so, I wouldn't have had that whole issue. Also in cultivating relationships, make sure you're making time for one another. Make sure you and your friends are finding time to hang out, time to be together, and that's quality time. I know my five love languages, love language is quality time. So this needs to happen for me. I need to have time where neither of us is distracted and we are just enjoying each other's company. If you're not local, then find that time to just talk on the phone or video chat or something like that. And if you are local, go out to dinner, go on a walk, or maybe do a walk and talk if you're not local. But just find ways to have that level of quality time in order to increase the relationship's potential. Without that valuable time, you don't know how things might develop or how they might not develop if you don't put in the effort to make the relationship have potential to grow. And let's say you're like me right now, where you're in a new area and you don't have many people to hang out with. Well, if you're lonely, don't be afraid to reach out to new people. For me, with social anxiety, that's very difficult. I cannot tell you how much time I spend thinking, okay, should I ask this person to go for coffee? What if they say no? Oh my gosh, I'm embarrassing myself. Why am I asking them? Why did I do this in the first place? Oh, they're thinking about me now. Oh, I can't look at them. Maybe I should go to the other side of the street. My mind just goes everywhere before I even make the chance to ask a question. There was a girl or a woman in my class the other day and I was thinking because we introduced ourselves on the first day and she seemed also a little socially awkward. And I was like, oh, maybe I can get coffee with her, but maybe she won't get coffee with me. And I don't know. And my mind was going everywhere. So finally, I just asked to go get coffee with her. And she's like, yeah, thank you so much for asking. I'd love to. 
and be over here. He was terrified, was thinking he would say no or it wouldn't work out. But it was a great time. I got to meet a new person. I now have a new friend in the area. We have common interests. And if I didn't just ask for coffee, that wouldn't have happened. Shout out to my best friend Kaylee, because that's actually how we met. I saw her in a Zoom class and just something stuck out where I was just like, this, she seems like she also has social anxiety. Let me reach out to her. So I reached out to her and now we're best friends and just have so much in common. And if I didn't make that interaction, it wouldn't have happened. So take a chance. The worst that can happen is the person says no. And if they say no, you just move on. Yeah, they said no. That's not a person who is supposed to be in your life, maybe. Or maybe it's not somebody you want to be in your life. You don't know. But if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And if it is meant to be, it is meant to be. But if you don't take the chance to try to meet new people and to try to break out of that, that loneliness, that friendlessness, then you might just get stuck there. And like I said in my Navigating Lows episode, you don't want to be stuck. You have the ability to pull yourself out. And finally, in cultivating relationships, we cannot forget about the negative things. So, like I said in communicating, you want to make sure you're communicating your miscommunications immediately, but you also want to make sure you are owning up to your mistakes. That is tip number seven. To live to your potential, you need to be able to have the level of self-awareness to be able to own up to your mistakes. If someone says you offended them, own up to it and apologize. There's no, oh, but I didn't mean to. No, you offended them. You can't take that back. There's the intent versus the impact. A lot of times you may intend to do something out of the kindness of your heart. Maybe you intended to say you like my hair and you intended to touch it because you thought that you touching it made me feel, I guess, like you like my hair a lot. However, the impact of that is, wow, that's microaggressive. This is somebody who doesn't know how to respect my space and you're touching my hair. Who are you? Why are you entitled to me as a black woman? If you're called out for something, just own up to it. I, I don't know how else to say this. It's, it's very hard. It took me a while to be able to do this. And I feel that a lot of issues today that are created on political divides are just because people aren't owning up to certain things. It's courageous to admit that you're wrong. Even though it's very difficult, when you say, I'm wrong, it shows the other person, okay, that means that they're authentic, they, they know what they're doing, it gives a higher level of trust. You're not fooling anybody when you're pretending that everything was okay and you didn't make a mistake or maybe that wasn't your fault. Just say it was your fault if it was your fault. Like, who are you trying to protect? You're not protecting yourself. You might actually make things worse. So own up to your mistakes. It'll enhance your relationships and it will make you feel less guilty about existing sometimes. I know if I have made a mistake and I'm trying to hide the mistake, I tend to just focus on that mistake and 
hoping that nobody finds out when if I had just come clean and said, oh, I accidentally did this thing, I wouldn't be thinking about it 24-7. It would have just been out in the open. People might have appreciated me. Maybe they'd be angry in the first place, but they'd be appreciative in the end because I just told them. And the last three things have to deal with just self-actualization almost. So tip number eight, I will probably, again, do another episode on this one by itself because I mention it quite frequently, but that is to maintain a growth mindset. With a growth mindset, you're always looking for ways to be a better person. So this can be developing goals to just keep having something to strive for. But then you also want to make sure that you're falling in love with the journey and not that destination, not that goal. You want to be exercising because you enjoy exercising. You want to be eating healthy because you enjoy eating healthy. You don't want to be doing it just for the fact that you lose weight because once you lose the weight, now what? You're going to gain it back because you didn't actually like those habits you put into place. When you have a growth mindset, you're always looking to be a better person and to be more accomplished and for ways that you can do things that you haven't been able to do before. And that will make you perform your best ways. So you can also seek out ways to continue to grow rather than be complacent with where you are. You can step out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself. It's these little things that will bring you up to that next level to help you achieve that level of self-actualization actualization on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So you did something one day, how can you do it better the next day? Musicians especially, with practicing, we need to have this level of growth mindset. You can't just accept being okay. You need to find a way to be better. Now, there's a healthy level of this where you can focus on getting better and improving and enjoying the process of improving, or you can be the perfectionist where you just focus on, I need to be the best right now. This isn't okay. Everything needs to be perfect. Why is this practice session not going well? You need to have that growth mindset that enables you to enjoy working towards the goal. Enjoy learning that new piece. Don't focus on the perfectionism that is telling you that you should have it down already. And another way to maintain a growth mindset is to surround yourself with other growing individuals. I've actually had to cut people out of my life when they haven't had this level of growth mindset where I see them sitting complacently with issues and ruminating over things that if they just took the time to find something else to challenge them, to find ways to grow, to be a better person, they would have been able to get out of the situation. When I surround myself with other growth-minded individuals, I find myself focusing also more on growth because I feel supported in what I'm doing rather than as if I'm threatening somebody else's existence.
All right, we're almost done. I know this is a longer episode than normal. It's episode 10. It's a celebration episode. It's also me getting more comfortable talking by myself. So here we are. Number nine, live authentically. This is something that I have definitely become better about in the past year or so when I started my blog and this podcast and just in general being more out in the open with who I am as a person so people aren't expecting me to be perfect. When you live authentically, you can be your best because you're not trying to hide up some sort of persona where you are that perfect person. So how do we live authentically? Be appropriately open and honest. Now notice I said appropriately. You don't want to be telling everybody your business. If somebody doesn't need to know something, just don't tell them that. Because sometimes you can say too much about yourself and then that can backfire. But you want to be open and honest. If you had a bad day, you shouldn't be afraid to say, I'm sorry, I had a bad day. And if something affected you, you should be able to say, I was affected by this. Living authentically is just being able to show that level of trueness, like showing your truth, living your truth to everybody around you. That's also not being afraid to ask for help. So many people are afraid to ask for help, but it's authentic to ask for help because you're admitting, I can't do this on my own. Again, go back to episode eight, where I talk about navigating your lows. Then living authentically means not pretending to be someone you're not. It took me a while to accept who I am as a person compared to who other people might be. I used to think that I had to be a certain way and I would try very hard to just fit into this mold that I seem to get around me. For me, that was both a level of stereotypical blackness and a level of whiteness. For some reason, I always felt like I was too black to be white and too white to be black. Obviously, I'm too black to be white because I'm literally a black person. But saying that I'm too white to be black doesn't make sense. And I had to deal with that level of imposter syndrome for most of my high school career because even though I looked black, a lot of people said I wasn't black enough. And I did try to remedy the situation by trying to be, I guess, the stereotype black person and to be more black than I was, if that makes sense. And I, I was trying to do that for a while, but that's just not who I am. I realized... I'm me, and I need to be me. It doesn't matter if myself does not match the stereotype or if I seem, I guess, too white. I'm using finger quotes right now, but you can't tell. I just need to be true to who I am because whoever I am, I am a black person. So whatever I'm acting like is how a black person can act like. So don't pretend to be someone you're not in order to just fit in with a group because if you're trying to be someone you're not and you fit in the group because you're someone you're not, you're not actually fitting into that group. You want to find people who can accept you for who you are. And then finally, in living authentically, is to make sure that everything you do is in line with your character and your sense of purpose. 
Before I say I'm going to do something, I ask myself, is this something that Jazzy would do? Because I want to do something that I would do. I don't want to be doing things that are out of my character and then making people feel like I'm somebody I'm not. Because I don't want people to see me as somebody different. Your actions can shape the way you are seen with other people. So make sure you're doing things that you want people to see you doing. To see that, okay, Jazzy is the type of person who does this. And then you want to be doing things that are in line with your sense of purpose. Which is point number 10. Yay! Finally there. Have a sense of purpose. Determine the reason you're doing what you're doing. Why are you here? What brought you here? What are you trying to accomplish? Everybody should have a sense of a larger purpose to their life. If you don't, it's very hard to get up in the morning. And like I just said, in living authentically, you want to make sure that what you're doing is helping you achieve that level of higher purpose. So let's say you don't currently have a sense of purpose. This is how you can try to find something. So first, to determine the reason you do what you do. Why do you get out of bed every morning? Why are you going for that degree? Why are you doing that job? There must be something you're trying to accomplish that is leading you to strive towards that position. And then find something bigger than yourself to stand for. At the end of the day, think about your life backwards. At your funeral, what do you want people to say about you? Hopefully you had some level of an impact. However, if you didn't have an impact and you were just living for yourself, what are people going to say? You want to think about what it is you want them to say about you and how you can live with that sense of purpose and that expectation of what you want to be. For me, I want to impact the next generation of children of color. And I know that that's my purpose. That's why I'm put on here on planet Earth. And that is why I'm a tuba player. That's why I'm at Peabody. I'm doing all this stuff so that I can better do that in my future. If I didn't have a level of purpose, I really don't know what I would be doing. Final tip with having a sense of purpose is to make sure that you start living towards your purpose, or I guess walking in your purpose. Thank you, Terry, my former therapist, for saying that. But you want to make sure that everything you do, I guess this is also a repeat, but everything you do should align with the purpose. You should be doing everything you do with that in mind. How is that going to help me impact the next generation of children of color? How is that going to help me reach this goal? What will this do for me in the long run? And then having this sense of purpose will enable to you, you to be your best self because you know why you're doing everything you're doing. You're not just going through the motions. You have something to be looking for. So that concludes the 10 tips I have for being your best. So just to recap, that's one, lock down your sleep, two, fuel your body properly, three, find time to exercise, four, develop healthy boundaries, five, communicate effectively, six, cultivate your relationships, seven, own up to your mistakes, eight, maintain a growth mindset, 
Nine, live authentically. And 10, have a sense of purpose. I hope these were beneficial to you. As you noticed, I did have somebody who actually gave us an episode suggestion. So if you have any episode suggestions, please let me know because I'm always looking for something to do. Or if you have any interview suggestions, since that's going to be the next few episodes, I would be really open to that as well. So moving on to roses, buds, and thorns. My thorn this week. Okay, I I'm a very... I guess a health nut kind of because I did lose my weight and I've been kind of focused on maintaining it, but I will forever be the person who was almost 300 pounds and had a ridiculous sweet tooth. So I made a carrot cake with my friend who came to visit the other day, um, Andre Thacker, who's going to be on the podcast soon. And it was in my fridge and I might have eaten a quarter of it yesterday by myself because it was there and I was stressed out. So yeah, that's my thorn this week. I ate a quarter of a carrot cake. Yes, I'm here. I'm living authentically. I'm owning up to it. I probably won't do that. I cut it up into slices finally and I put the slices all separately. So hopefully I don't eat like six slices at once, kind of like I did yesterday. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. So that is my thorn this week because that that's a lot of calories that I just ingested. And trying to lose that 10 pounds I magically gained is not going to happen by eating a quarter of a cake. So thorn, yes. My bud, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this podcast grow and realizing how much I already have grown with this podcast. I'm excited for the interviews that we're going to have in the future. I am excited because we do have about 20 regular listeners, which is more than I thought we would have. It's actually more than my blog has regular readers. So that's really good. Please share with more people so we can have more than 20 in the future. But right now, 20 is just a great number and I'm really happy. And... I'm also looking forward to continuing to grow because I used to be afraid of doing the podcast alone, which is why I went with the co-host model in the first place. But I realized that right now I have the potential to do that and talking by myself for an hour isn't actually as bad as I thought. So yeah, looking forward to growing and to seeing this podcast continue to grow. And finally, my rose this week, I found a new therapist that I work really well with, which is incredible because the last time I had to get a new therapist, I went through, I think, four therapists before I found somebody who I was compatible with. So it's a huge deal that I'm with this person where I'm already making meaningful change on our second session already. And I'm excited to see how far I will grow with her. And with that, that concludes our episode. So thank you so much for listening to Harmony and Healing. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this with your friends, your family, anybody who might benefit from any of the advice here. It's not just for musicians. I think anybody can benefit from most of this advice. So please just share it with everybody you know, because 
more than 20 listeners would be great. And yeah, I hope you have a great week. We'll see if next week's an interview or maybe a nutrition episode or a communication episode. I guess we will see. But yeah, have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Harmony and Healing. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Harmony and Healing Podcast. And you can find me personally at The Jazzy Tubist on both Facebook and Instagram. And at my website, jasminepiggett.com. I'll see you next Thursday. As a human, it's incredibly important to find ways to keep growing. Having a grow might grow. Having a growth mindset. Oh, God. Okay.